Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept saying, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. The word of God for the people of God. Today we are in our fourth week of our winter worship series, The Gospel According to Mr. Rogers. And by now we know that Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian pastor and he began filming Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in 1968 because he was frustrated with children's programming and he wanted to do something about it. So for two and a half decades and over 800 episodes, he used television to to nurture those who would join him as his neighbor. PBS says this about Mr. Rogers. Never afraid to tackle tough subjects, he spoke openly about the topics children silently wondered and worried about, but adults often struggled with, like feelings and divorce and death. Fred Rogers used public television to help millions of his viewers, both children and adults, to feel valued and encouraged with a singular vision of kindness and love. And while he never preached a sermon on the air, he embodied the gospel of Jesus Christ in every episode and in his daily life. And so during this series, we are taking those biblical themes that we find there in the episodes and in his life and and looking at those and learning how we can do the same. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that in these moments your spirit might be felt, your hope experienced, and the challenge of your good news declared. Calm our minds and open our ears that we might hear your voice speaking to us, that we may truly be transformed. Amen. When our 10-year-old Joseph was born, people would come up to me 
ooing and aahing about how adorable he was because he really was an adorable baby. And they would ask me, oh, well, is he a good baby? And I knew what he, they meant when they asked this. Does he keep us awake through the night or does he let us sleep? Is he a happy baby or does he cry a lot? But the question puzzled me. In my mind, I thought, well, of course he's a good baby. He's a baby. He's been thrown into this cold and dark world and he's trying to figure life out. Yes, he cries, but that's how he communicates. Yes, he wakes us up throughout the night, but he's hungry and he wants to be loved. These individuals meant well by asking this question, but it helped me realize from the time we come into the world, we are expected to be happy, or at least we're conditioned to think that if we're happy, things are easier, both for us and for the people around us. In childhood, we're trained to think that happiness is good and other emotions like anger and sadness are bad. How often were you told, oh, don't cry, don't yell, you'll be fine, don't fuss, or don't be sad. Then as parents and adults, the goal is to make our whole life and, and that of those around us full of happy memories. And as Christians, it's even more true. We are conditioned to believe that good Christians are loving, always, never angry, and so we stuff down the anger. A good Christian rejects fear because God is in control. A good Christian isn't sad because we have Christ in our lives, so we should be joyful. Now, all of these statements, they have a nugget of truth in them but we know that they don't connect to real and full life. When we welcome Christ into our lives, everything doesn't become all sunshine and puppies immediately. We have hardships and struggles. Life happens, and it's not helpful to pretend that it doesn't. Throughout the series, Mr. Rogers tells us over and over and over again that feelings are okay. They aren't to be ignored or dismissed. He doesn't shy away from the, the more difficult emotions of anger and fear and sadness and, and disappointment and loneliness. In fact, he lets us know that it's, it's okay to experience those feelings. God created us as physical and spiritual and emotional beings. God gave us emotions, all of the emotions that we experience. And when we dis deny certain emotions because we believe or we've been led to believe that they're bad, then we're denying a part of the way God created us. God doesn't expect us to be happy all the time. God knows better than that. At the very least, God learned this through Jesus. Jesus was fully divine as well as fully human. He was holy God, and at the same time, he experienced everything that we experience as humans. He was perfect and blameless, and yet he embraced all of his emotions. 
And the Gospels are replete with examples of Jesus getting emotional. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is arguing with the religious elitists of the day, the Pharisees, and they're talking about the Sabbath. And the Bible tells us Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And let us not forget possibly the most well-known episode or exercise of Jesus' anger when he overturned the money changers' tables in the temples. Can you imagine the sight of him doing that? Then later in chapter 8 of Mark, Jesus fed over 4,000 people. And then right after, he and the disciples travel to a different region, and the Pharisees again begin to question him immediately. And, and they ask Jesus for a sign. He has just fed over 4,000 people with some fish and loaves, but they want a sign. And so verse 12 says that Jesus sighed deeply, and in his disgust, he says, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given it. Then the Gospel of John, Jesus is standing at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and in the shortest verse in the Bible, it says, Jesus wept. The shortest verse because it says everything right there. He wept because Jesus felt the pain and the sadness of losing someone that he loved deeply. And in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is so filled with anxiety and fear, it tells us, that his sweat was dripping off him like drops of blood. And then finally, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out the disciples, and he tells them to go into the world and experience the power of God. And they come back, having gotten a taste of that kingdom of God, and they tell Jesus of all of their miracles with awe of all they experience. And Jesus is so excited for them that he is filled with joy through the Holy Spirit, and he praises God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, feels these emotions. He felt anger and disgust, fear, anxiety, sadness, and joy. Emotions are not bad. No emotion is bad. If Jesus experienced these emotions and more, and we believe that Jesus was without sin, then emotions are not inherently wrong. Fred Rogers knew this truth, and he shared it with his neighborhood viewers. Fred grew up as an only child until he was 11 years old, to parents who discouraged him from acknowledging sadness. And combine that with his childhood experience of being taunted with the name Fat Freddy for being overweight, it's no wonder that he was acutely aware that all too often, And usually, unintentionally, adults silence children's uncomfortable feelings instead of showing them how to process them. So Fred made it one of his focal points to encourage children to face their own difficult feelings. He was clear that feelings are not inherently good or bad, but what matters is really what we do with those feelings. He encouraged children to talk about what they were feeling, 
and to find constructive ways to express themselves, ways that didn't hurt themselves or others. One of Mr. Rogers' most famous songs is What Do You Do With the Mad That You Feel? And it was inspired by a child who asked him that very question. The song goes, what do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you can go? This song was Roger's way of teaching kids how to be angry instead of how not to be angry. He wanted them to express their feelings constructively rather than pushing them down and ignoring them. The first step is to recognize that anger, that feeling, and their temptation of how they want to express themselves, biting, hitting, or kicking. And then the second step was to find an appropriate outlet for anger. One of the reasons these difficult emotions of anger and fear and sadness are so uncomfortable to us is because we don't like feeling them and we don't know constructive ways to make them dissipate. So we're often left either handling our emotions in destructive ways or experiencing that uncomfortable emotion, often compounded by the feeling of of not having control with no hope of resolving those emotions. And so we just let them be or we suppress them or ignore them. Mr. Rogers helped children find simple and constructive ways of processing their feelings so that they could experience relief and feel in control of their emotions. Hitting a pillow is a popular one in our house. Or sometimes Corey just needs to go up in a room and have a good cry because life is overwhelming even at five, and crying is a good outlet sometimes. But as adults, we know that emotions are not simple. Sometimes it takes more than pounding some clay to get the anger out. Sometimes the anger is really fear or sadness that we're not able to face yet, or it's been masked by fear. And sometimes it takes working through sadness and grief to get to true joy. Today's scripture reading speaks directly to that last one. Verse 20 says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will, not turn to joy, will turn to joy. On the eve of his death, Jesus is telling his disciples here what is going to happen when he is crucified buried, and resurrected. Yes, they will be sad. They will mourn the loss of their teacher and their friend, but that sadness will not have the final say. That sadness will lead to joy, a joy that no one will be able to take away. Jesus was telling his disciples, we can't get to the beauty and the joy of Jesus conquering death on Easter Sunday without the pain and sorrow of the cross. I'm sure we all can think of a moment in our life where, where this was true, where deep sadness led to an amazing joy. 
As a mom, I can understand why Jesus used the analogy of giving birth here. While in labor, I never thought that I would forget the agony that I was experiencing. But somehow, almost immediately after seeing our child, the pain was transformed into elation. I wonder if Jesus thought when he was telling his disciples that the switch from anguish to joy would be immediate like that. He says, here now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. He doesn't actually say that it will be immediate, though. He doesn't say that it will be immediately joyful once he's resurrected, and they will experience no more pain or grief. He's too smart for that. I can imagine that as the disciples of Jesus and and his closest crew heard of his resurrection, they were elated, but we know that they were also in awe, and they were absolutely confused, and they were most likely still mourning the loss of their mentor and friend because he wasn't with them in the same way anymore. Working through all of those feelings to get to the pure joy took time and processing all that had happened with the resurrection. Feelings are hard, but they're okay, and you are allowed to feel them. You are allowed to not be okay. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be mad, or frustrated, or lonely. You're allowed to feel those things. God has given us these feelings as a tool to experience life and to connect with one another and to connect with God. But you don't have to let those feelings control you, and you have a decision as to how you express them. As someone smart once said, feelings can be in the car that you're driving, but they're just a passenger. They're not the driver of the car. Whether you've lost someone close to you, you were forced to change careers, you, you moved, or you've gone through a breakup or a divorce, we've all had those difficult, those dark moments in our lives. But as you look back, can you see the joy that has come out of those moments? The strength, the confidence, the knowledge, the understanding that came out of those difficult and dark moments. Or if you're in the midst of your dark moment right now, know that it doesn't last forever. I don't know how or when, but the moment will pass and joy will come because God is good. But until then, cling to God and lean on your siblings in Christ. That's why we're here. Amen? Let's pray. Awesome, God. We are grateful for our feelings. Even though we recognize that they can be uncomfortable and difficult, and sometimes they just make life hard. But God, we know that you are there with us. And like Fred Rogers said, we can talk to someone, we can talk to you. We can talk to you about all our emotions because you have given them to us. They are good, 
and you can help us understand and process. Lord, empower us to go into this world with the knowledge that you are good, that you are with us, and that, Lord, we are not alone, but we are surrounded by loving siblings in Christ. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.